Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From ThatCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. We're continuing to do our virtual sessions. Uh, excited to have next guest, uh, Kimberly Branham, who's Executive Director of Prosper Portland. Kimberly, thanks for, so much for being on. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I know with the, you're extremely busy and I wanted to have you on to talk about the Relief Fund. Uh, want to learn more about you and Prosper Portland, but maybe if it's okay, just give us a little overview of you know, your role at Prosper Portland and we'll go from there. Sure, happy to do that. So I'm the executive director of Prosper Portland and Prosper Portland is the city's economic development agency. We're formerly known as the Portland Development Commission and our mission is to create economic growth and opportunity in Portland. Great. So, well, let's get into the relief fund. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and just kind of where it's at and, you know, how folks that have small businesses can apply for it? Happy to. So, as we saw what was happening in Seattle and San Francisco and saw that we were um, headed in the same direction in terms of needing to make some really tough decisions as a city and as a state to support our collective public health. We looked at what other cities were doing and uh, what we found was that in New York City and Seattle, um, that because of the impact to particularly public facing businesses, that there was a need for access to capital and now. Mm -hmm. And so what we uh, did based on some of the input that we received uh, from those other cities and um, in close collaboration with city council is to set up what we refer to as our small business relief fund. It was seeded with a million dollars from city council resources. Um, okay. So general fund resources, uh, the those funds were expanded with support from UMQA and others and in collaboration with Oregon Community Foundation. So we now have a million four in uh, committed and pledged resources Great. for that grant fund. Um, and we have also earmarked a million dollars of Prosper Portland resources to launch a loan fund, which will hmm. um, be available next week. But to the Grant fund, it is open. It opened on Monday. It's closing at midnight today. Okay. Um, we've put it together in a um, pretty easy to access application, wanting it to not be an onerous process. It's geared towards businesses that have been directly impacted by COVID. So businesses that ha are either public facing or who have seen at least a 25% reduction. We're really prioritizing businesses that are especially vulnerable um, given historic inequities. So that's 
um, businesses owned by black indigenous people of color, um, immigrants, people, uh, I'm sorry, immigrants and um, women, yeah. as well as people with other intersectional identities. Um, and then we are going to be prioritizing funds for uh, businesses for whom these resources would make a significant difference. And, and not to get too much into the weeds on the application, but um, I guess, uh, how, how long does it take to complete and maybe some timelines? I know this is all kind of, you're, you're building it and yeah. the plane yeah. in the air a little bit, but I'd love to sure. learn about that. Um, it probably takes about a half an hour to complete. Um, there are some just yes, no questions. Um, we encourage people to know what their gross revenue was for the past fiscal year to be able to share that information, how many employees they had. Um, you can be a sole proprietor, that's okay too, but um, how many employees you had before, how many you have been able to retain or have needed to lay off. Um, and there's a great frequently asked questions section on our website um, if you are considering applying so that you know what the threshold is to be able to apply and then what are some of those materials to gather. And that's prosperportland.us slash relief um, for, for more information. But it's not, it's not your regular grant application or loan application where there's a lot of documentation required. We understand that businesses are under enormous stress right now and wanted to make it available. And I'll just add that it's available not only in English, but also in Spanish and Vietnamese and Russian and uh, a simplified Chinese as well. Great. I know. And I would love to learn a little about the process because this came together really quickly, right? And um, can you just talk about how, how it did come together so quickly and how some of the partners like Umqua stepped up to, to make it happen? Sure. So when Mayor Wheeler declared the emergency, um, we were asked to come up with a plan to be able to put in place very quickly to be able to support businesses. And um, anticipating that that was something that um, might need to happen. We had been talking to other cities and to their economic development um, agencies, as I had mentioned before. And so there were some ideas that had been percolating so that when the mayor said, hey, there's, we're declaring the state of emergency, I think it was a it was Thursday or Friday, um, that we were able to present a proposal of interventions to the mayor um, that following Monday. It included the idea to um, to create a loan fund um, and a zero interest. I'm sorry, to create the um, small business relief fund that included both grant and zero interest loans. Um, Mayor Wheeler and Commissioner Hardesty were very supportive, and so it was all systems go at that point. We also started to stand up a um, daily 11 a.m. call that included a lot of key partners, um, and that was that enabled us to really be able to make progress on a daily basis um, because it was, uh, you know, activating the entire team to say, okay, what needs to happen between now and tomorrow? Who can we reach out to on the lending side who might be interested in providing resources? Um, and so it really was a um, all hands on deck approach. And the other thing I would say is that we've built on some of our long-term partnerships. So we've been working with Oregon Community Foundation and other philanthropic partners for a number of years on other kinds of initiatives. And had we not had those relationships, I don't think we would have been able to move as quickly as we have in this case. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we've been trying to balance, which is how do we make sure that we are maintaining um, the ability to have new voices and people who are particularly impacted help drive the solutions 
while also wanting to move quickly. And sometimes when you're moving quickly, that means um, you are leveraging those existing networks right. and resources that you have. So it's something we're attuned to and trying to find the right balance there. And, you know, for Portland, you know, if you're on Twitter or LinkedIn, I mean, the, the business community, I feel like is really stepping up to see where they can help these small business owners. Um, and it, that's kind of in our, I always say it's kind of in our DNA, but it's a pretty yeah. unique time. So, I mean, just from your perspective, how, how's that been? I mean, are you just glad to see this? Is there a lot more that can be done? done? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I'm holding both the the silver linings that we're seeing, the incredible peer-to-peer support, people who are rallying behind um, other entrepreneurs, people who are encouraging um, businesses to, um, you know, to, to step up and to also uh, continue to reach out for support. Um, it's been heartening to see the lists that are out there to let people know that there are restaurants uh, like Eater PDX has put out a list of restaurants that are still open. And, um, and I know that there's been a lot of uh, support, just emotional support to help businesses. Um, and so that's certainly a silver lining. On the other hand, we're also hearing just devastating stories for people uh, who are very much concerned that this isn't just a couple of weeks that their business is going to be closed, but that they're facing um, the potential that their business won't ever open again. And yeah. so um, I think we all feel a lot of responsibility and are heavy hearted about the impact that this is having on the, the lifeblood of our city, which is, yeah. as you mentioned, small businesses, all of those shops that we love to visit, um, professional services where we've developed relationships. It's really hard to see them have had such a dramatic impact and such an adverse impact in such a short time. Sure. Um, for those of us who've lived through, who lived through the Great Recession, I think that in comparison felt like a much slower unfolding and it was painful to see. Um, but this has just been such an abrupt change that it's almost hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. And there's, um, yeah. So that, that there's special talent, specific and special challenges in adjusting to that new reality. Absolutely. I mean, the uncertainty, like you mentioned, it's, it's changing not only day by day, but like hour by hour in a lot of ways. And oh, yeah. that's slowing down a little bit, but it's just the uncertainty um, that I think yeah. is a real challenge. Like you said, two weeks, two months. Um, what's Prosper Portland doing is, or anything you can share uh, as far as like the data behind how, how the recovery is going to be? Uh, I don't know. I, again, there's, it's a little bit of crystal ball, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. I would love to see what behind the scenes, maybe your team's kind of looking at on that front. Yeah. So it's a terrific question. Um, you know, we were able to access some information that let us know when uh, the economic impact of the public health interventions um, basically began in our area, which was just basically right before the emergency was declared and we were able to do that by looking at year-over-year comparisons through um, Open Table, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. and so some actually some of the normal areas that we look to unemployment levels or business closures those take a few weeks. And given the speed at which this uh, economic impact is moving, we don't yet have all of the data that we would normally have to rely on. Mm -hmm. So we've been in close conversation with folks who have more real-time data, so fi financial tech organizations and the like, to try to see what the impact is. 
We do know, however, that um, unemployment insurance claims have come in and the Oregon Employment Department just put out a release um, earlier today that showed that while I think the number is 23,000 people applied for uninsurance just last week, which mm-hmm. was a record number um, by quite an order wow. of magnitude, um, there were actually 76,000 people who filed for unemployment insurance. Wow. Um, but the Oregon Employment Department um, wasn't able to um, move all of those claims through. So I think by any measure, this is a um, economic impact in a time period that we have not seen um, in in my lifetime anyway. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And um, what are some things I know, like the CARES Act just passed on Friday yeah. and I have student loans. I'm looking at, you know, what's going on with that. And there's yeah. a lot of information yeah. that's still kind of the dust is settling from that. Um, yeah. What are some things locally and maybe on a state level you see might be rolling out that additional that could be helpful or, or some things yeah. policy-wise you're, you're uh, talking with the yeah. mayor and other folks about? Absolutely. Well, I want to appreciate our federal delegation who um, had a strong leadership role in the CARES Act. Um, both Senators Wyden and Merkley um, have done a lot of listening to small business needs and individual needs. So there's a lot to like about the CARES Act. Um, some of the things that we had been concerned about Uh, before the CARES Act was passed, for example, was the fact that unemployment insurance is not historically or generally available for gig economy workers or sole entrepreneurs. um, And that's been um, adjusted through the CARES Act. And so that'll have a significant positive economic impact for individuals who are um, facing job loss. Um, They also have put out economic injury um, disaster loans through the SBA as well as a new payroll protection program, um, which is which are both uh, very, I think those are those are good options for mm-hmm. number for a number of businesses. And the payroll protection act, or that that loan program, is actually more of a forgivable loan if you're able to maintain levels of employment. So it's okay. something that we are really encouraging businesses to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the other thing we've heard a lot from our nonprofit partners who are similarly feeling a lot of stress um, with annual events being canceled or um, just the demand increasing at the very time that their revenue base is decreasing. And so both of those loan programs are available not only for small businesses, so businesses who have less than 500 employees, but also for nonprofit organizations. So we would encourage people to reach out to your financial institutions and see if they are administering those loans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that feels like a positive, particularly for small businesses um, and to, you know, just hopefully help them get through this for the next few months. Yeah. Um, and we are seeing um, the state, I think, begin to think about what uh, their special section might uh, incorporate. I know there's conversations around the potential for a commercial commercial eviction moratorium mm-hmm. um, at the state level. So I think we're we're seeing a lot of responsive um, actions at the federal level, at the state level, and yet yeah. we uh, want to continue to see what the long term impact of this is going to be. And so there are a number of conversations that are happening within our economic task force about what uh, a more of a medium term and a long-term solution will look like. We've been really focused on this 
um, immediate, how do we get resources into people's hands today approach, which is what the CARES Act is in many ways. It's a relief act. I think we're hopeful that there will be more of a traditional stimulus act, the next round of uh, federal interventions. But for right now, it feels like relief is what we need um, in order to begin stabilizing and ultimately recovering. And for some of those medium and long-term things you're looking at, can, can you share any of the ideas or maybe if it's just, you know, I know nothing's set in stone, but just yeah. some things traditionally in, in past, you know, economic recoveries that have sure. been implemented. Yeah. So within the um, American recovery and reinvestment act uh, for, for 2009, there were a couple of things that I would hope we would um, potentially look at again. So there was um, a program that were called Build American Bonds, which were very low interest um, resources that were available to cities and to others to um, encourage infrastructure and civic um, development with the idea of wanting to make sure that as the construction industry uh, cratered that there were other sources of um, capital to keep construction moving forward uh, while also meeting public and civic needs. So hopefully that becomes available again to maintain activity within construction industries while also stabilizing and um, addressing some of our long-term infrastructure needs. We also saw a lot of focus on um, what was at the time thought of as supporting green jobs, but what we would probably today talk about in terms of resiliency. Mm. Um, And so I think thinking about how uh, we are addressing climate change and addressing economic resiliency in innovative ways um, in the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, there were um, grant programs that you could apply for Um, And I think we saw some very positive things come out of that. We also saw a significant focus on workforce development, acknowledging that while many people who were disconnected as a result of the 2009 recession did ultimately find reconnections within uh, uh, either the same or new industries, Mm. there will be a number of people who will have a hard time or who will have a harder time reconnecting to employment. And um, in addition to wanting to make sure that there are people to help them through that experience, uh, we also want to make sure that if uh, retraining is necessary, that that's something that is supported through community colleges, our local workforce development providers. And so that's something that I would anticipate we would be really advocating for Mm. to make sure that those people who have been most directly impacted um, by an economic slowdown have the skills that they need and the support that they need to become gainfully employed if that's um, available. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about, I mean, resilience more in the, the policy sense, but, you know, let's talk about a little about resilience just in the city of Portland in general. I mean, yeah, I feel like we're a special place. And as far as business, we will bounce back. But um, I mean, you work with these businesses every day. Uh, what, you know, just talked about how do you think we're going to be as a business community going forward, regardless of you know policies or, or things we can you know stimulus we can enact that hopefully makes us stronger? I do think that there's going to be a sense of, or I, I remain optimistic that there's going to be a sense of um, even greater cohesion. Um, I think having gone through something that is this impactful and will touch every single one of us in some way or another yeah. um, can 
reinforce a sense of community. And as you mentioned earlier, I think we're seeing a lot of signs of that, whether that's going out at seven o'clock and making noise for those people who are every day out there trying to, to support each of, and every one of us um, in public health um, or by making sure that our grocery stores are, um, are stocked. That feels um, like that's one part of it. I think that we're going to continue to see those kinds of rallying cries. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that I think that unless we have significant support at the federal and state level and, um, you know, really are thoughtful at a local level about what we're doing, I think that we will be changed and not necessarily for the good in terms of our uh, local businesses. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, there are a number of businesses that are worried that they will not be able to reopen. And I think that they have cause to worry unless we are able to do something about it. So we remain um, hopeful. And I also really appreciate the leadership of Mayor Wheeler and the governor for moving swiftly. What we have seen in other localities across the globe is that those cities that are able to flatten the curve are able to reopen more quickly. Mm. So even though it's painful, Ultimately, this should help our economic recovery. It feels kind of counterintuitive that right. shutting everything down is good, but um, we believe in the long term that that will be positive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're paying close attention to it. And I think we would encourage people to continue to support your local businesses. You know, we're trying, I'm personally trying really hard to um, make sure that as much as possible, I'm buying locally um, where where that is available, um, would encourage everybody to do the same. I would encourage you if you have financial resources um, or if you have expertise that could help local businesses or, um, you know, that you make that available. And we are going to be pushing out um, some messages from the small business development centers. Mm -hmm. They're looking for people who have legal or financial backgrounds Mm -hmm. to help because all of these businesses are going to be looking to, to access small business um, administration resources. And right. so there's a lot of ways that um, if you're not directly impacted, or even if you are directly impacted, that you can still be part of that recovery and that resiliency. I love that message. Uh, there's a lot of folks with the expertise, especially in Portland. So th- thanks for noting that. So well, before we go, can you mention the the, the website for um, the grant application? I know it's, t- it's today, April 1st, yeah. but they're also yeah. going to be loan program rolling out next week. That's said, right. right? That's right. Yep. The loan program will roll out next week. Um, And our grant application is open until 1159 p.m. today. So you do have time and you can find it at prosperportland.us slash relief. And if you have any questions or or having a hard time connecting uh, to the website, you can call our information hotline, which is 503-823-4000. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Kim. We really appreciate it. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 